Hello folks, welcome back to another episode of the South Pole Podcast. I am your host, Doyle Unruh. I am recording today down in Georgia. Nice, beautiful, cool, foggy summer morning. Today, I want to bring to you a little bit of history once again. I think it's important to go back and revisit a few things just to it it gives us a benchmark. It allows us to check our progress, make sure we're staying on course. Oh, by the way, this article is staying on course by Teddy Gentry. Comes out of our 2009 spring newsletter. As cattle breeders, we are often tempted to reach for the extreme. A little more of this and a little more of that. This generally leads to excessive size of economic traits in our females and added management cost. To merchandise the best balanced calf philosophy can be difficult unless the prospective buyer is educated as why balanced is better. Since our goal is to produce the most pound of beef or most profit per acre, the most efficient size has to be the first thing determined. All of our IRM, integrated resource management data, tells us that around a 1,000 pound cow is the most efficient. She is more fertile, weans a bigger calf on percentage of body weight, and has a lot less maintenance than the bigger cow. Even with this knowledge of the basics, it is still sometimes tempting to pick the biggest, longest, widest, or other traits that sets an animal apart from the contemporary group. So as breeders of the South Pole cattle, it is essential that we educate our buyers as to why balanced and efficient is the most profitable in the long run. This philosophy takes discipline and an unwavering belief in a small-framed, deep-bodied, efficient mama cow. Remember, you can't get a 1,000-pound cow out of a bull that weighs a ton. Exhibit the same discipline when buying bulls. Insist on seeing the mama to make sure she has the udder quality, calving interval, and phenotype you need. So be disciplined, stay on course, and don't get caught up in chasing the latest fad. So just a few comments before we move on. Teddy points out the uh, reaching for extremes, you know, and it's just what we do. We walk through a group of cattle. And there's a few of them catch their eye. Well, they catch our eye not because probably at this point we know their records. We know their calving interval, all this. They catch our eye because they say, man, look at the hindquarters on that calf. Look at this. Look at that. Um, now, sometimes we may see a nice tight trim udder on a cow and we say, wow. You know what? That's probably one thing that we can judge for an extreme. Or maybe a nice uniform scrotal development on a bull. We can say, hey, you know, because we know if he's reached maturity or real close out, it's not going to get larger other than that continual growth over time. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty relative. We, we kind of know what we're seeing is what we're going to be left with. Definitely on the other, you know, it the size and shape of it could change over time as well, but. For the most part, it's not like it's going to change. I guess we could say the same thing for, you know, the hindquarters on a bull or a cow or, or whatever we're looking at. But we tend to say, 
this one's carrying way more thickness on the back and and we start pushing for that we start pushing for that well you know some of the westerners maybe they need a little bit more rangy cattle because they got to travel the water maybe um, they may not need them any taller but some places with more feed can probably hold more muscle on a cow because you know their maintenance requirements they can fulfill them um just just thoughts out there uh steve westhoff spoke at uh the field day that was on bruce shank's farm and he had longhorn cattle out there in the high desert of uh utah thought that was the only thing that survived well he moved south pole cattle out there and they worked as well or better um you know so it's always something to keep in mind it's not a hard fast rule again he talks about the thousand pound cow and uh, we got to have a belief that the small deep bodied cow is the most efficient and i believe she is so yeah and just just like to encourage everyone it's all about management and i think that's what we're pushing as a as a breed Pro, uh, productivity profitability because if you're not producing a product that makes you profitable you're not going to be around and ultimately we're here to see the cattle be around so what do we have to care about we have to care about your profitability so moving on here the second article is mistakes to profit from by martin turner and this also comes from the 2009 spring newsletter a fool repeats his mistakes the intelligent man learns from his mistakes the wise man learns from others mistakes this is a proverb we do not know who wrote it one of the things that irritates me a little bit about farm magazines is their tendency to report almost exclusively on successes i suppose publishers and their advertisers think that most of us would rather read about success than failure and they're probably right but my experience has been that what i've learned from making mistakes is more valuable what than what i've learned from being right of course i like success better than failure but what i like best and what does me the most good aren't necessarily the same i have only occasionally been wise enough to learn from others mistakes most of the time i've had to learn from my own and then often only after repeating them not all mistakes are of the same magnitude of course a few are so huge that both law and economics usually prevent even fools from making them more than once but most mistakes even major ones aren't usually fatal unless persisted in to stop doing what isn't working is usually a good place to start learning from a mistake it isn't really necessary to know what will work better in order to stop doing what doesn't work at all when i found out that only 30 to 40 percent of the bred cows i bought actually delivered and raised a healthy calf and bred back on time i quit buying cows i thought i knew that raising my own replacements would cost too much but it turned out that the alternative i chose cost even more in the cow calf business reproductive success equals financial survival if they don't reproduce you don't have a business before i decided to start raising my own replacements i made the mistake of thinking that growth traits milking ability weaning weight yearling weight 
are more valuable than reproductive traits, fertility, calving ease, and mothering ability. This mistake is an easy one to make, and a lot of people are making it these days. Part of the reason is that contribution of growth traits to revenue is obvious and direct, while their contribution to cost is largely indirect and far less obvious. The fact that growth traits are so much easier to measure than reproductive traits adds to the temptation. But the genetic truth is that growth traits are antagonistic to reproductive traits. This means that a selection strategy that focuses on ever higher growth will necessarily sacrifice reproductive performance. While some of this reproductive penalty may be avoided by providing more and better feed, this increases costs along with returns and may not produce higher profits. What's worse in the long run, this approach masks the difference between more and less efficient cows, so the more you feed, the more you have to feed to maintain fertility. There is a better way. Higher reproductive performance can be achieved at a total lower cost by selecting for smaller frame, lower milking, easier fleshing cows that have lower maintenance costs and are less vulnerable to nutritional stress. Cows like this can't be produced by feeding them everything they want to eat every day of their lives. You have to be willing to apply some selection pressure by strategically limiting feed resources at appropriate times. If reproduction is your highest priority, the only time of the year when a cow really needs to have all she wants to eat of the highest quality feed is during the six weeks before calving. Better nutrition before calving contributes to a shorter anestrous period and higher fertility in early heat cycles. After calving, all it contributes is to more milk production and heavier calves. This is the fundamental argument in favor of late spring calving. It's far less costly to provide a high-quality diet in the six weeks preceding the 1st of May or June, say, than in the six weeks preceding the 1st of March. Replacement heifer development strategies should be informed by the same considerations. The nutritional regime that they are subjected to from weaning to breeding has a dramatic effect on their reproductive potential. Feeding for fast gains on a high-energy diet during this period amounts to selecting for animals that excel under conditions of nutritional surplus. There is no reason why a spring-born heifer weaned in the fall needs to gain more than a pound a day over the first winter of her life, and I have seen acceptable conception rates after winter gains of as little as a half pound a day. Watching these heifers blossom during the spring flush of forage growth is a great pleasure, not least because it's so affordable. A dependable supply of high-quality replacements is essential for long-run profitability. While this doesn't necessarily mean that every cow-calf producer must raise his own replacements, it does mean that if you can't find a reliable source that develops and manages their herd this way, you are almost certain to be disappointed with their reproductive performance. Of course, the calves out of a cow herd that has been developed and managed this way will be smaller at weaning, but it's important to keep in mind that for a cow-calf enterprise, the most important and profitable product is those good old grandma cows who never missed, not even once, and are still raising decent calves at 12 to 15 years of age. Feeder calves are an important co-product, but they aren't the most important. But even in a program where the replacements are purchased and all the calves sold at weaning, this kind of cow herd will wean more calves 
per 100 cows due to higher conception and survival rates and can be stocked at a rate of more cows per 100 acres because of lower maintenance costs per cow. The result is more total pounds of calf, a higher price per pound because of the price slide on heavier calves, and more dollars of return per dollars of cost, in other words, more profit. These are the principles that have guided and informed the development of the South Pole breed and are embodied in the South Pole Grass Cattle Association founding documents. I can't think of a better foundation to build on. I would definitely agree with him. I can't think of a better foundation to build on either. Well, I think that's a wrap for today. I hope you pick up a few tips, maybe a couple ideas, depending on maybe how new you are to the cattle business or how new you are to uh, regenerative agriculture. You know, the thought process that maybe the way the feedlot, the university, to the people that have been sponsoring the test to get cattle the way they want them made, maybe they're not as concerned in our profitability as we should be. Maybe that'll get you thinking today. Um, so moving on, of course, you can find us on our website, south, P-O-L-L, southpole.com. Uh, we have a association Facebook page, um, South Pole Grass Cattle Association. You can look us up on Facebook, like, follow our page, feel free to share it. We also have a forum, the South Pole Forum. You could find that on Facebook as well. Um, it's a great place to ask questions. Say, hey, I have this heifer. You know, put a good photo of her on there from the side and say, what do y'all think of her? Should I keep her for a replacement or maybe a bull? That might be even more critical. Um, a lot of people would have the philosophy that you keep all the heifers and give them a chance to breed. Um, and I think it's a great one because you, sometimes you just never know. We do not sell cattle on the forum, but of course the uh, uh, the association promotes the website. You can, if you're a member, you can list on the classifieds for free. It's quite simple to do it. If somebody reaches out to me and be glad to help them walk them through setting up a profile, you know, becoming a member, whatever we can do to help you. So hope you all have a great day. Hope you learned something. Stick around, come back, keep checking back for new episodes. Thank you.